Nation presents podcasts. There's a realness to the story that says, you know, when we look outside of what God has entrusted to us, this idea of pride or jealousy or envy, these things come up and they're very real. Women of the Bible speak. Now here's your host, Shannon Breen. Welcome to Women of the Bible Speak podcast. I'm your host and author of the book, Shannon Bream. Whether you grew up going to Sunday school and reading the Bible or you haven't read it in years, there are so many inspiring and timeless stories in the Bible, and many people don't realize what a big role women played in these stories. These women I write about are dealing with things that are still relevant to the women of 2021. They are all amazing lessons that fit today that we can all find inspiration and hope from. This episode of Women of the Bible, we are going to talk about a woman who actually laughed at God and lived to tell about it. She's got a fascinating story with so many twists and turns. And joining us today to talk about it, Kirsten Watson. She says she is wife to Benjamin and mom to seven kids. That I don't even know how she has time to do this podcast with that. Um, but that's only part of what she does. They actually, she and Benjamin have a podcast, Why or Why Not with the Watsons, which has such interesting conversations. Uh, she is also heading up Mom Life Today. So Kirsten, I don't know how you do it all. And I thank you that you've managed to fit us into the mix. No, I am grateful that you have allowed me to take this time away from everything to, to talk <laughs> about it. to talk yeah, about we, the Bible. That's kind of awesome. Right. And we just talked about the organizing of the seven kiddos. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about your family because it's so beautiful. And you and your husband are so open about uh, the importance of family, your commitment to your marriage, to kids. That is a foundation and building block of our communities. And you guys have done so many things to just be such a voice in that space. Yeah. So like you said, we do have seven kids and they range in age from 12 to, we have twins that are, I think they're 21 months. I don't know. They'll be two in April. Um, (laughs) All I know is they go separate ways every single time I'm telling them to come here. So yes, we have all pretty much all the ranges, uh, sixth grade and under. And yeah, we do try our best to be intentional with them in terms of having tough conversations Um, be intentional for them to see that our marriage matters and God would want it that way. And that when we are doing well, the overflow to them is just amazing. So we try to be intentional as much as we can when it comes to them and when it comes to each other. And, and then also when it comes to our family, like what do we do outside of these four walls? And so all of that matters. We know that it matters to God. And because of that, um, we just try our best to make sure we're being intentional in all areas. I have to ask you this and, and, um, you don't have to answer any of these questions, but (laughs) I don't know if your twins, you were intending to be your last baby. If you just thought, we'll see what happens. I've had so many friends recently who are like, we're going to have one more. And then they have twins. That, that is exactly (laughs) what we wanted. Um, like I'm not a huge fan of odd numbers. I don't know why I just have this whole, like, if we go on a ride, everyone needs a friend. And so, uh, we were at five and so we went for six and we actually had two miscarriages back to back within four months. And so we were worried. I mean, not, we were just like, okay, God, we thought we were, you know, this was in your plan and that we were being faithful to what you had given us. And then that happened. And then shortly thereafter, we got pregnant again. And I'm thinking, yes, six, we can all still fit in a suburban. And we go to the ultrasound and the technician's like, I'm like, do you see a baby? Because we just had really bad ultrasounds um, the past two times. She says, yeah, I see two babies. And I'm like, oh my gosh. 
gosh. What? Get <laughs> out of here. So, yeah. So, yep. Identical boys. It's the first on both sides of our family. Really? And so it's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Well, and I love it because you guys are honest about it and transparent <laughs> about it. But just the importance of family and how you manage everything. And I don't think yeah. anybody has it all at any one moment in no. time. But you guys are just such a great resource for people who want to be strong parents with a strong marriage. And I know a lot of that goes back to your faith, um, mm-hmm. which is what we're here to talk about today. And Sarah and Abraham, uh, mm-hmm. their story in the Bible, you know, the, God had told Abraham, making this covenant with you, your descendants will number more than the stars in the sky. And the, he and Sarah were getting older and older and older. And right. it would be hard for them to believe like, okay, we're in our seventies now, we're in our eighties now. Most mm-hmm. people would have given up 30 years before that. For sure. That there would be any chance And so let's talk first about the fact that Sarah decided to take things into her own hands and and to go by a custom that was not that uncommon in their day. But she decided, all right, God is not showing up on this plan. I've got another plan. Right. No, I think it's interesting because even before that point, we see Sarah really have a lot of faith in God to leave her family, to follow Abraham, who knows where, to be told she was a sister and not a wife and just trust her husband and trust God in all Mm -hmm. those areas. We've seen that she's been consistent. And this is the first time we look at her, her situation. And she says, you know what, God, like, this is not going how it's supposed to go. Like, this is not working out. And so, you know, I think that the reason why Sarah definitely is relatable to me is because there are so many times where I know God has told me something um, or he reminds me something when I'm reading that he's faithful, that he's trustworthy, that his way is the only way. And I know these things, but still feel as though I have a responsibility to tell God what I think is best. And (laughs) so in case he doesn't know, I know there's another plan. I mean, he's ruling the world. I mean, there's so much on his plate. Let me just help you out and I'll just do this. And you just kind of come along with my plan. So Sarah is such a good example of that. And, and it's so funny because one of my twins, like we have like the water spigot where you can like go get your water and you push down, you know, the spigot and it comes out. I don't know what those are called, but anyway, our twins are now old enough to know that when they pull that cold water comes out. And mm-hmm. so we're in a mode of teaching and training. And I look at my son and I say, do not press that. And he looks at me <laughs> and then he looks back at the spigot of the little thing. And I'm like, do not do that. And he, lo- and he doesn't, he walks away and I'm thinking, I need to write a book. Like, this is amazing. Success. And then he comes back into me and he literally sticks out his tongue and, and like goes like in my face. Like, <laughs> that was how he was feeling. And so he was like, I, I was obedient, but I didn't like it. And right. so Sarah said, is like, you know, I want to be obedient. But what God is saving her from. Like we are so much times like that, you know, where we want to do something we when we t- want to take it in our own hands. But God is really saying, if you do that, like I told my son, if he were to do that, he was going to create a mess that he was not going to be capable of taking care mm-hmm. of. He could not clean up the mess that he was going to create. And this is what happens with Sarah, because Sarah takes things on t- into her own hands rather than waiting on God. And it creates another mess that God definitely takes care of when he takes care of Hagar and Ishmael and their whole line. But Sarah couldn't take, can take care of that on her own. And so that's what happens when we step out of, or we think we are in control or have a better plan than God does. 
Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, so often we complicate things. It's not sure. that we don't get what we think we want or what the right thing is under our definition in the short term. It's that there are long-term consequences to it. And one of the things I found in uh, writing this book, Women of the Bible Speak, is that there were women who decided I'm going my own way. I'm going to come up with my own plan because I need to help God or I need to remind him or whatever I'm going to do. And that there were real world complications for what they right. did and going their own way. Now, what I also love is that God still worked through mm-hmm. their messes. Yeah. And I think that's something people need to hear is that even when we've made mistakes, because we all do, we're human short of being God himself, right. Jesus, son, we are never going to be perfect. We're going to make decisions that are wrong. We're going to sin. We're going to you know, do things that aren't the best decision, but we're also willfully like thinking about pushing on the water spigot. We're going to think about doing things and then decide to do them and know they're wrong, but there can still be redemption through that when we're willing to get with a plan and trust God to, to clean up our mess or make the best of our mess. He can still do that. I mean, there's still redemption in our worst mistakes. So Sarah decides, says to Abraham, all right, you just take my servant Hagar <laughs> and um, you get her pregnant and then I can have the air through, through her. And that man unleashes so many things because once Hagar becomes pregnant, there is this tension now between sure. Sarah and Hagar. And, you know, I had to turn to people who are much deeper theological experts than I am about what the original language and the meaning of this was about what was actually going on between these women and not all Bible scholars agree and who was most at fault was, I mean, Sarah clearly mistreated Hagar at some points, but was Hagar uh, prideful or throwing it in Sarah's face? You could never get pregnant. Look at me. I'm already pregnant by your husband. We don't know, but clearly there is going to be a bad situation between these two. And um, Sarah does mistreat Hagar. I mean, she puts her into a terrible place where Hagar runs off Um, and it's in the wilderness and running away that she actually, um, is seen and heard and by God who says, I see you. I mean, to think about what her situation probably was, this wasn't somebody who was just coming to serve tea. I mean, she right. was not free, right? She was not free to go anywhere. Right. And so she was clearly under um, Sarah's rule and authority. Even if she was acting in a cruel and harsh way, Abraham didn't step in. Right. I think it's interesting because everything that you just said, when you read it, it's like, and Sarah gave him to Abraham. It's right. like, it wasn't like it was Abraham's idea. Like, Hey, I was thinking, you know, like Sarah is like made this whole plan up. And so, yes, obviously the, the tension between the two, I mean, she even, I mean, just some of her words, even that she says directly to Abraham after she does get pregnant is like super intense. And, you know, Abraham's probably like, I was just listening because God said whatever. And so, you know, the, the tension that happens between Sarah and Hagar um, is very real. I think it's one that we as women, as mothers can feel that this whole, this whole tension behind, you know, do I measure up? How do, how am I measuring out? And so like, there's a realness to the story that says, you know, when we look outside of what God has entrusted to us this idea of pride or jealousy or envy, these things come up and they're very real. And so for Hagar to be met in the desert is such a beautiful thing that she is seen and she is told to go back. Mm. So how hard is it for that? I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, you're like, okay, now I've got to go back to the person who's been treating me awful. And then it seems as though, you know, time passes, 
you know, um, Sarah obviously gets pregnant and has Isaac, but then there's still this underlying mm-hmm. thing going on that's unnamed. And so, although, you know, you're grateful for Hagar for going back and being obedient in that, I mean, Sarah has put herself in a position to have to now see this woman who is pregnant every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just can't even imagine what that looks like, but it, it, it is um, a testament to us because we do want to be in control. Mm-hmm. We want to write the narrative and we want it to all work out according to our plan. And God is a God who is faithful. And he says, listen, if you trust me, if you wait on my timing, I promise I am faithful. And so, I mean, I think it's just a great story of how we see that God ends up saying that God is faithful, even though I have not been in mm-hmm. some areas. And like you said, and how he redeems us and restores us. Um, and it's, and he's always tells the truth. I mean, because although it didn't happen right then, I mean, she laughs again when God says mm-hmm. in a year, in a year, you, she's like, <laughs> whatever. And so she's like 90 at this point. Yeah. She's like, dude, like <laughs> I'm now torn and I'm worn out and now I'm going to have some pleasure. And, you know, it's just yeah. kind of like all those things that you think of. And it's like this unbelief when it doesn't happen according to our time. Mm-hmm. And God is like, listen, like your time, like your time and my time are completely different. Mm-hmm. Like I am not on this 24 hour cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can move when I, when it's time to move. And so I don't know. I just think Sarah is in a lot of ways. So me and that I just want it to be quick. And when I say <laughs> exactly and how I say and how, and I, how I, say. I say, we'll have more of this interview coming up. There are just so many good things there that you brought up. And you think about for one, when Hagar is in the desert, God finally sees her. It's such a beautiful thing because you just think how many people have walked past her mm-hmm. in the tents or in this, mm-hmm. she's just there to take care of them and to serve their needs. She would have not been seen even as much of a person, I mean, in this situation. Um, And the fact that God sees her, as you said, such a beautiful, powerful thing. And for her to then be asked to go back, Mm -hmm. think about when God, we know he's nudging us to do something. You're like, nope, don't want to do that. Yeah, Um, too hard. You know, (laughs) yeah. Or they're at fault. It's not my fault. And he's like, I'm not asking you about that. I'm just saying you need to go back and fix the situation or you need to go where I'm telling you. And sometimes it is so hard, but as you said, he's faithful and he proves that through all of this. So Sarah then has to watch Ishmael, who is Hagar (laughs) and Abraham's son Mm -hmm. grow up. Um, Still years go by with her not having a son. (laughs) So, right. She hears God say something about, she's going to have a son. And she's like, ha ha ha, Uh you know, and he's like, why are you laughing? I didn't laugh. Like you can't tell God anything. Uh Cause he's going to know. Uh, yeah. yeah, you did laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, where are you? And like in the, in the, in the eat garden of Eden, where are you? I'm just, I'm hiding. Yeah. You know, so he knows giving, the answer. <laughs> right. He's giving us a chance right. to like own up to it. And then right. we don't. So Sarah finally um, has a child with Abraham, that covenant um, she's brought into it that you're going to be part of this. It isn't just that Abraham's going to have kids. Like you're a part of this as well. But because of what she had done and now Hagar having Ishmael, there are now these two boys that are going to be contending with each other through all of history into where we are today. I mean, Sarah's decision and not waiting on God and going through with giving Hagar over um, to Abraham is not something that impacted one or two generations. I mean, this is something that we're going into Mm -hmm. now, real world tension and enmity that is playing out to today because of that choice. For sure. Um, And yet, as we see, and as you've said, God redeemed 
um, this whole plan, the promises that he had made, he didn't abandon them at any point, even though they went and did their own thing. Mm-hmm. He still, he still delivered on those. For sure. And I think it's always interesting when we think about these things and we're reading it, knowing the end of this story and mm-hmm. I guess all of the story, we're trying to figure out mm-hmm. our piece in it, but it's just, we always see that God, we, we always read it as if we know God is not surprised. Like he has already set in place all the, like, why that slave girl? Why was it Hagar? You know, like why, you know, why did he say you're going to name him Ishmael? Like why all these things happen? You were like, oh, this is just happenstance. No, this is like planned. Like God knows that we are going to mess some stuff up mm-hmm. and he already knows our heart apart from him and even with him, but just our nature. And so it just always that's why I just love how the Bible reads because it just always shows that he is always faithful and we are just people. And mm-hmm. so, and he is not surprised by it. He is not put off by it. He just understands and has, has put things in place, like you said, so the restoration happens, but there are still consequences to the decisions that we make. And I think that is like something that I'm always preaching to my kids. Like, yes, don't, don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Well, if I tell you the truth, am I going to still get in trouble? Well, Maybe. Yes, because (laughs) there's still consequences to that. And so God is a just God. And so, you know, I just, I mean, you just read, I just kind of love the Old Testament in general, but like, I just, I just love that. And so he puts us into play. He puts Hagar in a position to endure. And we read even in the New Testament, how he talks about enduring, create something in us. So like, we want it to be done fast, want to rip the bandaid off and it'd be over. He's like, no, you're going to sit in this for a second. No, Israelites, you're going to sit in Egypt for a second. And so he has us endure for a reason. And sometimes we think it means God is not there. Um, but the more we read and we can see the story, we see that he is present during the whole thing. He is remembering and thinking and praying for us, but it's just not the time. Mm-hmm. So, right. I, yeah. I love that this book, we do a lot of old Testament, a lot of new Testament and whatever yeah. story I was working on, I'm like, this is my favorite one it's because <laughs> every single one, when you're reading it, you're like, Oh, there's just so much here. There's yeah, so much for hope sure. and mm-hmm. encouragement. There's a challenge to me to um, be deeper in my faith, to be more consistent. And to, like you said, it's so easy for us to look at some of these stories and be like, oh, how could they do that? Like right. not knowing how it's going to turn out, but that's us every day. Exactly. Um, and you talk about timing. A couple of the stories in the New Testament that really hit me like this one did too. Um, I include in the book, the story of the woman, we don't know her name, but she's mentioned in the gospels many times who had this bleeding disorder for 12 mm-hmm. years. And we find that she had spent every penny she had. She'd gone from doctor to doctor, to doctor, no one had helped her. Not that they didn't try, but they, they could not solve her problem. Right. And so she, you know, in that time would have been considered unclean by most sure. um, experts estimates this bleeding. So probably meant she couldn't go to the market, couldn't go to the temple, couldn't gather with other people. I mean, how isolating her life must've been for 12 years. She went everywhere and sought everything and mm-hmm. came away with nothing. And she'd heard about Jesus and this man who was working miracles. And she decides if I can just get close enough to him just to touch his garment, right? That could heal me. So that amount of faith is just unbelievable for us to think, wow. I mean, she, so she's out in this crowd, which she probably wasn't supposed to be because of her condition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she finds him and she touches his garment and it says immediately she was healed. Also though, Jesus immediately knew that something had gone out from him. So he stops and says to one of the disciples, um, who touched me? And I think it was Peter who sort of laughs like, hello, you're in this crowd. Everybody's touching you. (laughs) So we know Jesus knew again, it's asking that question where he knows, where are you in the garden or what's happening here? Like he knows, so he knows, and she knows the woman who's been healed 
it's her, she comes to him trembling on her knees in grief and, and, and in fear, knowing, listen, if this guy's powerful enough to heal me without him even turning around to do it, me just touching him, he's going to know right. it's me. Right. And he doesn't humiliate her in front of all of these people. But this is a moment now in front of all these crowds that were then following him around for him to say to her daughter, mm-hmm. your faith has made you whole. You know, he's obviously the power came from him, but it was her faith. Right. And what a lesson in front of these, all these people. And I always think about the fact that she had for 12 years been that sick. Everybody in her life would know that. Right. And so for her to then go and tell the story in her village, her family, for it to spread through the temple and everywhere else, we know her, we know her story for 12 years that she was that sick. Right. And she must have wanted desperately to be healed so many times during that. But that Christ said, this is, I know this is the ordained moment. She's going to touch my hem and I'm going to heal her 12 years in. And just like with Mary and Martha, when Lazarus died and Jesus didn't come right away, but the fact that he then raised Lazarus from the dead in front of all these people who had gathered to mourn. I mean, his timing isn't always ours, as you said, because sometimes he can get the glory through different timing. Absolutely. And so, um, like Sarah, um, like Kirsten, like me, we're all along for the ride. <laughs> and um, we have to, um, you know, say your will, not mine in our for lives sure. every day to make sure that we leave him that room for that. That's absolutely true. I think just, you know, just with Sarah, just kind of come in contrast, it's like, if we hold tight to Jesus, there's a reason why he wants intimacy with us, not like this, like hand-holding friendship, Like there's an intimacy that, so that when we do have those, like, isn't, our crying out to him can happen daily and that can be over definitely big things, but over small things. And he wants that from us. And the more that we cling to him, the more that we, our eyes are open around us to the miracles that are happening to how he is healing. Maybe not the way that I want, because I'm thinking about the end goal and this would be what I want, but there's all these things along the way that God has said, you stick close to me. You're going to see a whole bunch more. And so maybe it's not that thing yet, Sarah, but there's all these other things that I'm blessing and that I'm entering into with you. And, and so I think that's what we learn from Sarah is that sometimes when we get ahead of ourselves and we think we have to be a, be God, little G, that we really miss out on what God would have for us. But praise the Lord, there is restoration there. There is mm-hmm. forgiveness. There is repentance. But goodness, like just, I mean, I see that story and I say, okay, Kirsten, this is something that I want. This is what I desire. But like, cling to God's plan, like cling to it, even though you don't know, just keep your eyes open, your ears open, your heart fertile to the words that you read in scripture and always stick with truth because he is faithful. Mm-hmm. You are such a blessing in so many ways. <laughs> and I'm so blessed that you came and had this conversation with us about Sarah. You know, you guys are just doing work on so many different levels and reaching um, into so many other families and lives and people. So thank you for making time to talk to us about women in the Bible speak and these stories. And like I said, everyone that I went through, everything seemed so present day applicable. Mm -hmm, Like it wasn't just um, thousands of years ago. And so much of what you point out in Sarah's story um, is so much our daily life now. So thank you for making the time. Thank you for uh, having me. And we'll check you out on your podcast too. Sounds and all good. of the other things that you're doing. <laughs> uh, keep us up to date and uh, we'll talk again soon. Kirsten Watson, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women of the Bible Speak on the Fox News Podcast Network. 
For more of this podcast series, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. Please rate and review this one wherever you download podcasts. We want to hear what inspires you. My book, Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today, is out March 30th and available for pre-order right now at foxnews.com slash books. This has been Fox News Presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.